While we live in a society that seems to be more connected than ever through digital means like social media, people are actually making much fewer connections and friendships than they used to 20 and 30 years ago. That's the topic of today's episode. My name is Luke Clayton, and this is Connection Culture. Welcome back to Connection Culture, or welcome if it's your first time. We're glad to have you here. If it is, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that yet, or you can subscribe on YouTube. You can connect with us on Facebook. If you're watching the video on Facebook or YouTube, like it so that it gets seen by others and share it. The content we have, we believe to be really valuable and helpful to anyone who wants to be conscious of what they consume and how they connect. And so we'd really appreciate it if you'd have a part in getting the word out about connection culture and the content we have to offer. Now, the truth about friendship and connection is that, sadly, it's much different in kind of what would seem like a bad way today than it was maybe 20 or 30 years ago. If you've ever heard of the Dunbar number, the Dunbar number was developed in the 1990s by a scientist named Robin Dunbar. And this basically said that the average human being was capable of having about 150 social relationships that were stable. And the, the way to understand this is this is the amount of people that the, or the, the on, on average, this is the number that people, uh, of people that, that the average person could connect with and have what would maybe be considered an extended conversation. So we've all been in that situation where we meet someone or we see someone that we know that we might consider an acquaintance. We know their name or we recognize them and we have a three, four, maybe five minute conversation, if that long. And pretty quickly, we kind of run out of things to talk about. Things get awkward because you don't have a lot in common. You haven't seen him in a while. You don't know what to talk about. We've all been there before. And the Dunbar number is not talking about people like that. It's talking about people that you could have, like I said, a more extended conversation with. Well, that was the 1990s when this uh, theory was proposed. And the truth is that the uh that that things are a lot different now see now there was a new study done in 2019 now granted 2019 that's before 2020 well yeah duh but you know what that means that that 2020 was a wild year in terms of connection we were locked in our homes for a long time and Schools were shut down, churches were shut down, restaurants were shut down. People were really lacking in the connection department in 2020. But this study was done in 2019. And uh, so it, and there's some, uh, some studies here that, uh, that, 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 they, that happened in this, or some findings here, I should say, in this study that are pretty fascinating about the average American adult. So it was a study done on 2,000 American adults, and it revealed that the average American has not made a new friend in five years. Uh, so that means that in five years, the average American has not really made a new friend. Now, how you define friend versus acquaintance, whatever, that's that's up to you. 
But again, we're thinking of these people that you can have meaningful connection with. And it seems that for many, the popularity uh, hit its peak there, the, the popularity of, of – of of this number hit its peak at 23, uh, and many said they started. Uh, they this has kind of started at 21. So in other words, as they pass the high school, college, and maybe getting their first job, obviously you're in a lot of social environments. In that case, making new friends, meeting new people, and beyond that, though, uh, people are uh, beyond that age of 21 to 23, people are really starting to struggle making these connections. And there's a lot of different reasons and, and that people, you know, blamed it on. Of course, people who have families and they start to focus more on their family than they do on making friends. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But in the end, the study turns out, it turns out that the, and the according to the study's findings, that the average American adult says that they believe they only have 16 friends. Uh, the, and they say this is three friends for life, lifelong friends that they've known since they were a child on all the way through five people that they would say they really like and would, and enjoy hanging out with one, one. And then the, the rest, the, the remaining eight are people that they, they like, they appreciate, but they don't really spend a lot of one-on-one time with or, or even attempt to. So even of those 16, half of them, uh, the average uh, American adult says they don't even hang out with. Now, the Dunbar number and this average of 16 is different. Uh, we do need to understand that there is a difference there. The Dunbar number has more to do with the capacity based on, in the 90s, the uh, back then when that was developed, how, how people were connecting and the number of people that, on average, were connecting. Now, why, why has this changed? And the answer is obvious uh, when you think about it. Well, before, in the 1990s, uh, before really the, uh, I guess, mid to late 2000s, uh, social media didn't exist Internet was up and coming. Digital connection was not really a mainstream way of finding friends and connecting with people. Uh, the main way you got to know people was because you you went out and you met people. You met them in social environments, whether that was you know going out somewhere or going to church or, or like I said, at school or, or whatever it may be. That's how people got to know other people. And that is still how we get to know other people this day. But the incentive to go out is a lot less now. Because why go out when I can stay in? Why go to the movie theater when I can watch the same movie sitting on, on, on my TV, sitting on my couch in my pajamas? You know, why uh, go to a restaurant when I can get my app on my phone, go to DoorDash and have that same food brought to me? Why go out and make friends? Why go out and try to maybe find that special someone when I can download a dating app and just start to swipe away and match and whatnot and message however I want? Uh, why try to make even friends when I have friends and can make friends on Facebook? What's happened through the advent of technology and digital connection is the false illusion of friendship. Facebook, uh, of course, calls your uh, connections on Facebook. They're called friends. And of course, that seems really inaccurate. In fact, I knew someone a while ago. It was an interesting experiment they did. Uh, back, I mean, really, it was years ago. 
Uh, but when Facebook had kind of uh, maybe first come on the scene was was pretty popular at this point. But they decided that they were only going they were going to go through their Facebook friends list and they were only going to keep friends of people that they truly were friends with. And they wound up eliminating, I think it was something like 70% of their connections on Facebook. And, and Facebook using that term friend is obviously one of the most misleading things uh, that of, of the digital connection world. I mean, at least Twitter and Instagram and these others, most platforms call them followers. And that seems to be a little bit more accurate, digital followers versus digital friends. But regardless, this uh, no, no matter what platform it is, that has become the standard for um, friendships and for making connections. Uh, I forget what the statistic is, but it's something like 60 to 70% of people are connecting, are, are finding their spouse or their significant other through a dating app nowadays. And then that's crazy. Now, am I saying all this is bad? Not necessarily. I am all about, as you know, using the power of connection and tools for the greater good. However, there is something to be said about making true, authentic connections in a way, in a true social environment where you interact with people in a truly, you know, physical setting, a physical gathering or whatever it may be. And that is something that is, especially over the past year, has really been greatly diminished. But pandemics and lockdowns aside, this was already a massive trend. Again, why would people go out? when they can essentially get the same value, entertainment, food, whatever it may be, by staying in. And this has caused a huge shift in the way we connect. I mean, if you look at, if you compare the Dunbar number of 150 to the average, uh, of the average number of friends the average American says they have now, you're at, it's literally 10%, just over 10%, 16 versus 150 now, again, I know the numbers aren't completely the same. However, the principle is there and the truth is there. There's something in the data. The numbers are telling us a story. And that is that connection is not the same way that it used to be. Now, what is the solution? You know, you also know that I'm not a big fan of the uh, technology or media eradication approach because it's just simply not possible. If you believe that all media can be eradicated from society and technology can social media and all that can just go away, uh, you've got uh, you, you're, you're you're terribly terribly uh, delusional. Uh, that's not going to happen. What has to happen though is that more people like yourself uh, have to be conscious of what they consume and how they connect. You can have these tools, you can have these apps and these platforms and these social media accounts. I do, and I, I do, I enjoy them. But we have to be conscious how we're consuming. We have to limit our time. We ha and we have to be realistic. We have to understand that the content that we're seeing and the people we're connecting with is not necessarily real. We have to realize that just because we're a friend on Facebook doesn't mean we're a friend in real life. Just because somebody posted a, a picture of them that seemed to be a, a great picture of them wearing a nice outfit uh, and maybe doing some type of exciting activity doesn't mean that that person's life is glamorous and wonderful. What we have to realize is everything that involved with, with social media and connecting digitally is very surface. And we have to understand that uh, anything that we want to experience deeper is going to happen on a more 
personal connection level. And, and yes, that could be through something like a phone call or a FaceTime or a Zoom where you're actually having true interaction with somebody. But obviously, the best way for it to happen, I believe, is in a physical community. And that is what humanity is made for. And so my challenge to you is to just continue to be conscious. Have you started to limit your time on social media? Maybe you've, uh, like we've suggested before, deleted the apps off of your computer uh, or, or off of your phone rather, and only use your computer or tablet or whatever to access just so that you have just a little bit less access to those platforms. One of the biggest things you can do is have a paradigm shift of what it means to digitally connect versus what it means to truly connect. Just because you're following someone on Twitter or because you listen to someone's podcast or because you're friends with them on Facebook, that doesn't mean that you have an authentic friendship with that person. And that seems so very obvious when we say it out loud, but how many times have we fooled ourselves into believing that we have a lot of friends and a lot of people that care for us because we have, you know, a lot of followers on Twitter or a lot of friends on Facebook. It is, again, it is misleading at most. Those connections are artificial at best. Anything you're going to get out of those connections is going to come from intentional, uh, reaching out to people and connecting with people intentionally, not just in some broad brush way of, oh, I checked on social media, I follow you on Facebook. Now, when it comes to making these different types of friendships and relationships, I recently had a conversation with someone who actually knows a lot more about it than I do. In fact, he wrote the book on it. Josh Tice is the lead pastor of Southern Hills Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he has recently written a book called The Quest for Friendship, where he discusses all of these aspects of connection, the value of connection, the different types of connections and friendships that we have, and how you can continue to discover authentic, meaningful relationships with other people. Here's my conversation with Josh Tice. Well, I, I know something. Uh, we'll kind of wrap up with with this uh, last little section here as we talk, move into talking about something else. I know something that uh, you know we started out talking about how our routines were affected and uh, our relationships have been affected by uh, this pandemic. You know, we've had to uh, keep our distance from people, and you know, there was depending on uh, what part of the country you lived in. I mean, some some people felt completely isolated for weeks or months on end, and uh, I. Th- You've you've got a a resource, a new book that talks about friendship and relationships, if I'm understanding it right. Uh, And so I wanted to give you a moment to kind of talk about uh, this is your first book, I believe, uh, and, uh, you know, what it's all about. Yes, um, man, I appreciate you letting me talk about that. If my if my odd views of online church haven't turned you off too much, (laughs) trust me, this book, this book will help uh, help pave over those uh, those road bumps. Um, yeah, the quest for friendship. Uh, that's one of the things I worked on throughout COVID and primarily, um, because of what God had done in my personal relationships, the few years prior to this book, as well as during COVID, I've come to this realization, Luke, that most men don't have true, deep, connected friendships. Over the last few years, I've had the opportunity uh, through counseling and multiple, multiple conversations, not only with ministry leaders, just with the average man that comes to our church every day, Joe's. I've made it a practice over the last two to three years to look guys in the eye and say, tell me, a que- tell, tell me something. Let me ask you a question. Who do you have in your life right now 
that if something happened, some tragedy took place, that you could call and they would pick up the phone no matter what. They would be there for you. Who do you have that you can look in the eye and be completely 100% authentic, real, and honest with? Who do you have that you can share your hopes, dreams, fears, and problems with? And that they won't look at you any different. Who do you have like that in your life? And most men, 90% of the time, I get this. They look, and then they look down. They look away. And they shake that and say, mm. I, don't really, I don't really have anybody like that. Wow. Especially men. Over the years, um, we have prayer requests come in every Sunday at the church. In fact, we fill out connection cards and people put their prayer requests on, and I pray through those. Have for, for years and years and years. The number one prayer request that we get from women, the number one for over 10 years, the number one prayer request my wife and I get is, please pray for me, Pastor. I just want God to send me a friend. That's from women. Number one prayer request that we've got from women. Please pray for me, Pastor. I just want God to send me a friend. So hmm. this, is a, this is a male problem. This is a female problem. I don't think that we have built relationships. Again, I'm going to sound like the most anti-tech guy in the world. <laughs> but I think that's the rise of technology. Um, I think the rise of uh, lack of true intimacy um, and I think, uh, I think we have a problem as we're becoming more and more isolated. We go into our homes and dad goes to a room and watches a screen and, and teenager goes to a room and watches a screen and child goes to a room, watches a screen, mom watches a screen somewhere else. And what we're not doing is connecting like human beings. This book, Quest for Friendship, is a practical how-to guide to re-engage in personal friendships and personal relationships and build them around a relationship with God and build friendships and, and, and step-by-step guide on how, how to be authentic, real, and genuine with those in your life. Yeah, and uh, it's so true because, you know, we live in a society that seems more connected than ever, yet uh, when it comes to that true, authentic relationships, there is massive disconnect. Uh, and so that, uh, that when you ask that question about, do you have those people? You know, I asked myself that thankfully I could say I do, I have, a, I have two or three guys that come to mind, uh, that they're that, uh, that person that I could call. Uh, but, uh, that that is something that I struggle with as far as I I, I actually tend to be a little bit more introverted uh, when it comes to you know meeting new people and, and whatnot and so um, you know it's just something that's going to help everyone so where can uh, the quest for friendship where can we find this uh, well you can find it at ideanetwork.church um, first okay. it'll be there you can pre-order it um, and then start ordering it on March 23rd, whenever it launches. You'll be able to find it on Amazon months later, but for now, it's just going to be sold exclusively on our, our website, ideanetwork.church. It's interesting that you brought up um, introvert. I have an entire chapter um, called Know Your Lego, and uh, we talk <laughs> about the fact that we can connect a certain amount of people, or everybody can only connect to a certain amount of people. And some people, mm. introverts, tend to have less connectors on their Lego. Totally fine. Totally good. To know how many connectors you have and to have those filled mm. is incredibly important. Some people have larger Legos. Um, it's interesting to me in my research on this, introverts tend to have deeper relationships and real authentic relationships more than extroverts who might have a thousand friends yet never really truly connect on a deep level with any of them. Mm. So, um, and some people can become so introverted that they, that they never truly open up to anyone. So, 
it is a, it's, it's an important one. One of the aspects I talk about, which is interesting too, is you say, well, I do have some of those relationships. And one of the chapters called circles of friendship, where I talk about how to properly categorize your friends in your own mind so that you understand how to properly interact with those people and the yeah. pain that comes when you've accidentally categorized yourself in somebody else's circle of friendships in the wrong category. I thought we mm. were close friends. They categorize you as an acquaintance. Mm. Um, have you ever come across somebody who expects you to know way more about them than you do? That's because they categorized you as a, a good friend or part of your group or part of your, your tribe and you don't really know their name. And so <laughs> it's important to understand those relational dynamics. Otherwise you embarrass yourself or you embarrass others. And so this book deals with a lot. It's a very broad concept of friendship, not just how to build friendships, but also how to understand friendships in your life and those that you love. Yeah, that, that, and that's really good about understanding your relationships. You know, I think I just heard you talking on a, um, it was Brian Sam's podcast about how a lot of times, especially in going back to the church world, um, you have these people you thought were friends, but really they're just kind of more or less business associates, uh, you know, uh, because, you know, church as, as, uh, relationally based as it should be when it comes to especially church leaders dealing with other church leaders, it's very much, it's very businesslike, uh, in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, people can be really crushed when they realize, oh man, I thought this guy's with a friend, but really turns out they just, you know, they like, they wanted to have me come preach or they wanted to have me, you know, do whatever it is. And it was more of a business. And that happens again in all elements of life. We talk about it in the book. Um, we say it this way, your insurance agent is not your friend. They're friendly. But mm -hmm. in, in the real world, like people really do fall into these traps. We think that yeah. person is my friend. No, they're trying to sell you insurance. Mm. Um, call them, call them about a personal issue later. They're not your friend. And that's okay for people to be friendly as long as we understand where they've categorized us so that we don't become get into emotional and, and hurtful damage. Well, uh, check out uh, Josh's book there and also get connected with the Idea Network. I know you guys just launched a charter membership there, and so uh, church leaders for sure are going to want to check that out. Uh, but Josh, I do thank you for being here. We'll have you again sometime. Hey, man, I look forward to it. I hope I wasn't too negative on this one, but it was a good conversation. I enjoyed it. It was really good. A lot of good insight, and uh, I think our listeners and, and consumers here are going to really enjoy it. That conversation with Josh was very insightful to me. His new book, again, is available now, The Quest for Friendship. You can get that at ideanetwork.church, and uh, I think it will help you if you're looking to discover how to make more meaningful connection. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Connection Culture. We do hope that you'll take a moment to subscribe. And I do want to emphasize, please, please like this video and share. We need to get the word out about this message that we need to be conscious, conscious rather, about what we consume and how we connect. And we have to find as many people out there like you, like me, who want to use media, technology, and the power of connection to increase truth and inspire hope in the lives of others. That's what this is all about. Connection Culture is a production of the Must Increase Network. The show is edited and produced by Bo Snyder. Show notes are written and developed by Nash Mead. The executive producer and host is myself, Luke 
Clayton. And until the next episode, I want to remind you, we encourage you, get involved with something that matters. When it comes to uh, this this thing of, of creation and content, connection, and, and all that's involved with that, movies and TV and all these things that, that you enjoy, that you consume, get involved. Find a way to contribute. Get behind what you believe in. Again, that's why we encourage you, share this with others because it is just a small way to contribute to getting positive content that brings people value and helps them to understand the power of connection and how to use it for good. Get involved. Be a contributor. Figure out. If if you're on social media, we always say this. Be nice. Use your influence you have there to encourage people, not tear people down. Don't get caught up in the tweet storms and the mess of it all. Focus on positive. Be encouraging. And again, get involved with what you believe in. Be a contributor. Because what you're going to find, that you're going to find that once you start to do that, once you start to get behind what you believe in, you don't just subscribe to Disney Plus and Netflix and so on and so forth. You actually, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but you actually start to maybe contribute to some things that you believe in and get behind uh, those creatives and, and those producers. Once you do that, what you're going to find is that there is so much more fulfillment in being a creative contributor than simply being a mindless, constant consumer. We'll see you next time right here on Connection Culture.